there's, you know, a lot of these like really instinctual things like, um, like presets, for example, that are designed by world-class mixing engineers. Like it's okay to lean on those and use those as our tools and not have to be a mixing engineer in order to make a great sounding track. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm really excited to be here talking today with Chris Bradley. Uh, she's the founder of Produce Like a Boss, where she teaches you know, non-techie singer-songwriter artists how to produce high-quality songs in a home studio in a way that's not super technical and jargon-filled and it's just easy and simple, simple to understand. She's a musician herself. She's been really successful, especially in like the sync world. She's gotten placements for Sony, Warner Chappelle, Fox, USA Network. And so today, you know, I thought it would be fun to, especially um, for anyone that, you know, recently we've, we've kind of gone through this, uh, this pandemic and everyone's at home. So what more important time to kind of learn how to dial in uh, your own recordings so that you can, so that you can actually, you know, so you can do something uh, productive for your music career during the time off. So uh, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. So I'd love to start off by just um, hearing a little bit of, of your story and kind of how you got started um, along the route of Produce Like a Boss. Cool. So a little bit about me. Um, I started off as a singer-songwriter and I was I was producing my own demos and really trying to, you know, pitch my songs to get cut by other artists, trying to get my stuff into um, film and TV and sync. And I just kind of realized after I was spending like anywhere from $500 a pop up to like, you know, in the thousands that I was like, wow, I can't really... I can't really sustain this. So I guess you could say that I got my start in learning how to produce out of sheer necessity <laughs> because I was just like, oh man, like I have to take this like into my own hands, you know? So um, as a singer songwriter, I just, I think that I found it very difficult. Like I just, I didn't understand a lot of the language and the jargon. And I was just so like everyone that would try to explain it to me was very technical in the language they used. So I found myself always saying like, man, like, I wish I had this, like a step-by-step -step kind of like just simplified version. And uh, anyways, long story short, over the years, just through trial and error and like, you know, coaching, and I finally kind of got my productions to that level. And, uh, and then I've come up with a system that I'm able to share with other singer-songwriters to help their process be a little more smooth than mine was. <laughs> mm, amazing. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like... Um, learning how to produce yourself in like a home studio like home studios it's pretty amazing how high quality of recordings you can literally get like professional recordings in a home studio and even if you do work with a producer in like a different studio it probably is a really valuable skill to have so at least the basics to kind of understand how to record and, and the vision of what you want it to sound like when when you're working with like a grammy award-winning producer or something like that absolutely i think that being able to just share in the like language that goes on is like so it's so important and being able to voice your opinion because what happens is and this is kind of how I started teaching it is that I'd be working with artists that I was producing and they'd be like you know it's like this thing that does this and then I would associate that with some kind of vocab and I go oh what you mean is this and then I'd explain it and they go yeah but if they had just heard that word by itself they're like I didn't even know that what that was called so just being able to you know uh, help the communication in the studio by knowing like how to identify um, um, certain 
keywords is, is pretty cool. Mm, that's awesome. And, and yeah, especially like, you know, I, I bet for a lot of people, you know, maybe the, the tech or like, you know, you're not someone that like, I, I'm kind of a geek. Like I, I actually, I, I like spreadsheets and I like math and I, and I like this stuff, but I know a lot of people like normal people are like math sucks and technical, like super like tech uh, heavy things can be really overwhelming. And as an artist, you know, I'm sure that, you know, most, most of us, we just want to be able to express our music and we want it to sound good and we want it to be, we want it to come out organically and we don't want to have to hit all these roadblocks or just not knowing how to get it out. Um, so it's how, what I like about, you know, what you're talking about is how you're really kind of catered towards the singer songwriter and the artist. And, you know, that means that you're able to speak to them in a language that, that they understand. Absolutely. I, you know, I think that we kind of are coming into times now where you don't need to know as much as you needed to know, say five or 10 years ago, that there's, you know, a lot of these like really instinctual things like, um, like presets, for example, that are designed by world-class mixing engineers. Like it's okay to lean on those and use those as our tools and not have to be a mixing engineer in order to make a great sounding track. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's part of some of the stuff that I teach is being able to work with the tools that have been given to us. Like, thank God for modern technology is just making it so much easier for creators to create, you know what I mean? And to be able to take their music like into their own hands. When artists first come to you and they're kind of interested in starting to produce themselves and you know, maybe they've been working on like some of their songs, they have like really rough voice memos or something. You know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see them struggling with at first? When they come uh, to me to produce them. Um, when they come to you and, and they're just, they're considering, you know, working with you or they're considering like, they're looking at produce like a boss and, oh. um, yeah, you know, like what, what are some of the biggest things that they're struggling with at, at that point? Yeah, for sure. So I think that a lot of it is the, it's the blank page theory. They don't know where to start because they have no guidance whatsoever. And I just know so many times when I pull open a session and I would feel the same feeling. And once again, I was thinking like, gosh, I wish that there was some kind of like, you know, like little like checklist of like, you know, what can I do? So that's what I started creating was these systems where I'm actually building templates out for you. So before you even start creating, you're essentially assembling like a really kick-ass tool belt, you know? So it's like, yeah, if you went to like build a house and no one left you any tools, you'd be like, oh gosh, like where do I even start? But if you showed up and there was a great little tool show there with all these tools, it's like, you use this for this and this for this, you'd be like, yes, let's do this. So that's kind of what I do with that artist who's at that stage. Most of it is overwhelm. And I think the problem that, that most artists face is when they think about getting into the DAW, they think they need to know everything that DAW does, right? It's mm. like, oh my gosh, do you know how much like Logic can do in Pro Tools? I mean, from like video editing and like things that like they might not need to know. So rather than taking the approach of, I need to learn everything this thing does, which is so counterproductive anyways, because if you don't implement, it's not going to stick. So like, why would you take a 101 on how to learn what all these things do when you could learn how to simply just get your song out, right? Mm. And, that, and that's what I teach. It's like, you know, it's all the stuff you need and none of the stuff that you don't. Mm, awesome. And it's interesting because what you're saying really rings true just across, you know, different domains too, but specifically like across this, it's kind of that blank page syndrome. So it's like starting out feeling overwhelmed because yeah, it's like building a house, but not having a blueprint or having like tools to do it or like, you know, setting out on a destination, but you don't have a map. You don't know really how to get there. So it's just kind of, there's probably a lot of different things and different, like with YouTube, there's probably a million different types of YouTube videos and they're not really sure where to start. Because I call that the YouTube rabbit hole. And it's great. The YouTube it's rabbit hole. Well, there's mm. so much valuable information, but it's like the overwhelm is like, it, there's so much, you know, we're not 
starving of information, you know, and you know what I mean? Like it's right there, but it's the implementation and actually having it in a way where it all works together. It's like one thing to like find a video, but what about like a series of like videos put together to support each other through like a step-by-step process. That's how my brain works anyways. hundred, hundred percent. Yeah. I've, a lot of people who are like smarter than, than I am that I pay a lot of money to teach me stuff basically <laughs> tell me that information, it used to be like when the internet first came out, which was like not that long ago and like how crazy with things like when the internet came out, like that changed everything. But when it first came out, the name of the game was the amount of information. It was like, if you had more information, like all of a sudden, like, you know, that was the best. If you just had the most information, but now that's actually not really what we need. Like, it's not like all of us have access to so much information online that, you know, it's not really about that anymore. It's more about being able to put it into a sequence, being able to, you know, stay, stay focused and to implement just like you're saying. So I, I, that definitely rings true. So it sounds like, you know, you've really through a lot of experience and through a lot of coaching, you've developed kind of a, a framework to structure it so that it is more simple for people to figure out what's important. So they don't have to like learn the one-on-one course and learn a million things that they don't need to know that don't even stick because they're not implementing because it's not necessary as opposed right. to like more directly, like getting their song sounding more professional and learning at the same time. Could you share like some of the biggest, uh, like a biggest steps or the biggest kind of like an overview of that process that, that you recommend for, for people? Sure. I mean, a lot of it, like you said, is actually getting a blueprint together, which in the world of production, we just call that pre-production, right? Think about when you're getting in, uh, to, into the studio to make a record. You don't just go in with no like, you know, plan. There's, you know, weeks oftentimes of like rehearsals and, and, you know, a game plan that you get together with your producer. Well, you become your own producer. So you need your own form of pre-production, which is just, it's just a game plan, you know? So part of what I do is we, we pull the work tape into the session and have a listen. We're looking at the lyrics and we're going, okay, let's assemble the right tool belt that coincides with this lyric and this melody, right? Is this, what style are we going for? What is the genre? You know, what is the mood? What is the speed? And actually start planning out all these little steps before we even jump in. Because here's another thing, you get kid in a candy, uh, kid in a candy store syndrome too. You get in there and you have all these cool sounds to play around with. And it's like, oh wait, what was I doing? Where am I going? That's not part of my framework. My framework is let's let's build a little foundation so we know what we're building our house on top of. Let's start with the foundation. So it starts with the tool belt. Uh, we do a little bit of reverse engineering where we're kind of studying like what somebody who's already written a pretty well-structured pop song, how that works and reverse engineering that process and saying, okay, well, if they did a four-bar intro and an eight-bar verse, uh, verse, maybe I could do the same and they did a 12-bar course, but maybe I'll do an eight-bar course. So being able to borrow, but not everything, being able to borrow and tweak from those that have succeeded before you you know even mm. tony, tony robbins says you know if you want to be successful follow in the footsteps you know of those who are mm. doing what you want to do so i highly mm. recommend uh, reverse engineering tracks that are already dialed in yeah that's that's huge um so it sounds like the first the first couple of things that that you get started with are one like pre-production is really important and it's something that especially you know when you're doing it with another producer then you know, they've, they kind of established this, like, and they'll, they'll probably kind of help you do the production. But when you're doing it yourself, that's really important not to forget that is kind of sitting down, listening to the song, maybe just having like, what, like an Evernote or having like, like a note put up, pulled up that you're just kind of taking notes about the lyrics and the melody and about potential maybe instrumentation and like how, how you want to kind of put it together. So it starts with that overview process of just like listening to, to the song and figuring and making some notes on it. And then one of the the next steps is really like, finding some references so being able to reverse engineer what successful people who 
have invested tens of thousands of hours into their craft and have are like you know geni- geniuses essentially like really really smart people you know being able to listen to, to what they're doing so you don't have to reinvent the wheel that's something i, I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper into that too because i feel like it's so valuable and it's so important and i know for me personally like pretty much every anything like successful that i've done has been following the footprints of my mentors or like people that you know have shown the way in a certain extent or like you know there, there's things that i've had to kind of i failed and i've kind of figured out in different ways i've i've taken what you know their lessons and kind of applied them in my own situation but it's it's been such a huge part has been finding people who've done what i want to do and then learning what like how they did it and then you're doing it in my own way but i think one thing that kind of holds people back sometimes from doing it is wanting because there is kind of a balance right there's a balance of like you know you can't just like straight up copy them because that right. you know then you lose your own your own voice your own soul so mm-hmm. how do you recommend that people kind of balance that how do they is that is that just like a mindset block or is there a specific way that you'd kind of recommend them balancing that so that they don't they retain their own voice but they're able to kind of grow as an artist by referencing models absolutely um i am so glad that you asked that because that is such a common thing it's like it's people we all want so badly to just be so original, right? Mm. Have you have you met uh, have you read the the book like uh, what is it? Steal like an artist. I'm looking for it. it's on my coffee table. You know, so many people mm. don't realize that you know we are just you know a, a combination of everything that we've ever heard or listened to. We're already doing it. We're already mm. doing it, right? So it's like how do we do it intentionally and man- maintain um, our own voice? And I think part of that is just you know doing the act of listening. And then when you go in, like I said, it's like oh they did hi hats there. I think I'm going to do a shaker there instead and switching it out, right? And then um, another thing I like to do is sometimes I'll use more than one reference track. So I'm definitely never leaning towards one way too too hard. And the other thing I wanted to say about that, and this is my favorite part, is like once you take the reference track, let's say you've got two or three, and then you've got your own original voice, it's still going through your filter, right? So you're without even trying, you are adding your original voice to it. So, you know, I I tell people too that have been like, let's say they've been listening to classic rock for a long time and they're trying to kind of get modern music like in their their palette so they can write a little more fresh and modern. They're like, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose my voice. I'm like, trust me, it's there. Listen to the new stuff, study the new stuff for the workflow aspects of it. Not to copy it and be like it because just by you being you, even if you tried to copy it and be like it, you're not going to sound like it. Take that and couple it with two or three different ones. You're really not going to sound like it because by the time we get the, the three-headed baby that came from those three bands and then your original voice, that's something new and original, right? Mm. It's several ingredients that make up a whole new thing. So I, I have to say, for me, it was something that held me back for a long time, having that belief. It's a limiting belief, you know? That's so good. So a couple a couple of things like unpacking what we just said there. So, you know, first of all, just kind of realizing that you'd like the book, if anyone is listening to this right now and you wanted to dive even deeper, the book Steal Like an Artist is, is a great um, read around this idea. But like really, as we all crave, the we all want to be special, we all want to be original and we want to you know, have our own authentic voice. And the truth is that, you know, all of us are a reflection of our influences, you know, and when, you know, we're naturally going to, or the music that comes out is naturally going to be a reflection of, of our influences. And so it's not original completely anyways, like it's going to have your own unique twist, but um, it's okay to, to lean into using influences and using models of people that, you know, have invested tens of thousands of hours and kind of seeing how they do it so you can create your own way. Another idea that you brought up that I thought was really smart 
was, you know, how you can have multiple different references. And that's actually a really good thing to do so that you don't lean too much on one. So if you kind of think about, you know, what if this band, this band, and this band had a baby, or what if this song, this song, and this song had a baby, then it is, it's something new. And, and it can be really, I've, I've heard this before that they call it like the viral formula, which is basically, if you look at songs or videos or things that have that go viral, the traits behind it are usually that there's an aspect of it that's familiar. So there's an aspect of it that we recognize, but then there's another aspect of it where they kind of flip it on its head. So there's like a unique twist to it. So it's both like, there's a part that's like familiar, but it's also unique, kind of done in like an interesting way. And I guess the reason that that happens is because they're part of our brain. It was kind of like, like a sled going down a hill where there's like grooves, right? And the way our, our brains, like the neurons connect to each other, there's like grooves. And so if it's familiar, it links into our existing networks. You know, it links into the existing, you know, if we've heard like a certain kind of a song, for example. But then when it's new, it's kind of like it, it makes it interesting. It makes it novel. So it kind of releases some dopamine where it's like, oh, like this is, this is interesting. You know, it's like I recognize this, but it's kind of done in this unique style. Mm-hmm. And so... I just wanted to echo what you just said with like, yeah, having a few different references and, and that can be a really cool way to create like, you know, something new and original that was born out of different, different things. <laughs> There's not really a way for you to not put your voice onto something because just because you're being you and like in doing it, like you can't not be you. Have you ever tried to not be you? Like it doesn't work out very well. <laughs> like, like it doesn't, you don't feel very good when you're, when you're not being you, but like, it's kind of the same thing with like, it's funny, like sometimes like trying to be yourself, like you don't have to try to be yourself. Like you just, you just are yourself. <laughs> but you know, it sounds like what you're saying is that, especially when it comes to, you know, artists who maybe they're familiar with like an old, like, you know, uh, hard rock or like something that's kind of like, like the seventies or the eighties, you know, and they have this mindset block around making something modern. They're like, I don't want to sell out or I don't want to kind of lose my voice. And what you're saying is that, you know, no, like you don't, you can't lose your voice. Like if you just bring who you are and you bring your influences to this modern style, then what's going to happen is, you know, you're going to create something that's both, you know, com- that can be commercially marketable, but also it has your voice and can be really fun and it can represent you as an artist. Absolutely. And I just want to jump on that really quick because this, the, the whole, like, you know, I don't want to sell out thing. It's just, you know, mm. think about it like this, you know, I, and I, I will say I learned this the hard way because I did whatever I wanted. I did what I wanted to do. And then I just wanted to complain that my music wasn't making me any money. So I want to just give an example of how this could be, you know, twisted. So imagine like you cook a dish that you love and it tastes really good to you, but like everyone who's eating, it's like kind of like, meh. you know, they're not really loving what the ingredients that are in that dish. Are you going to be mad when you turn around and open up a restaurant and go to sell that dish and nobody shows up? Because you can, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're here like to provide like a service, right? You're an entrepreneur. So you're actually, you're, you're giving, when you give people that familiarity, is that how you say that word? Familiarity? Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a word. You're awakening that within them and they, they don't maybe know why, but they know that it makes them feel good and, and nostalgic, like you're saying, right? And they feel a connection with you. And once you have that trust with them, they already like you and know you, and now you can present some new stuff. But, you know, I call it one foot in the box and one foot, one foot out of the box. And, you know, the other side of that, and I could go on a complete rabbit hole, but it's like, if you want to make money, as a musician, what you're saying is you want to start a business. And what you're saying is you're an entrepreneur. And in order 
for you to be successful, you have to serve. You have to put your client first. So if the market, if we're talking about market research, not to get too nerdy, but the market, it will tell you what is working. And that's why I really love using reference tracks because that's what I'm going for. Like, I want to be successful. I don't want to fight against, I don't, I want the path of least resistance. You know, I don't want to fight against um, the tide. So that's all I wanted to say about that. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's really, really important. Yeah, being able to figure out how to, like there, there's a universal energy that's, it's like a river and it's flowing in a certain direction. And when you fight against the, the river and what's happening, it's a struggle and it's pain. And there are ways to get in the flow, right? You get in the flow and you can be present, you can be current with what's happening and what's, what's you know, resonating, but doing that in a way that's also authentic to you because no one else has the same voice that you have. So it's, yeah, I think, I feel like what you're saying is it's about kind of aligning, aligning who you are with what's also the, the flow. What's, what's providing a service to people, what, what's providing a service that that's the flow, right? Like that's the, that's entrepreneurship. That's what drives you know, progress forward is, is finding, you know, a need, you know, as like a business is about finding needs, but for you as a musician, as a business, your need is about connecting with people and about providing value and entertainment. And so, yeah, it's a two way street and you need to figure out how can you provide the best you know, possible service for them? How can you connect with them? And that's, you know, it's got to have both components. It's got to be both connected to them, but it's also got to be your voice. And that's being authentic is going to be what, you know, what allows you to connect with them and to stand out from, from everyone else. So it is, yeah, having those two pieces are, are really important and it's okay to, to have one foot in one foot out. One foot in the box, one foot out the box. Yeah. Boom. It's, it's like, whenever I like look at a brief, you know, it's like, or, or hear about like what a company's looking for, like a pub company or a record label, it's always this, they want something that doesn't sound like everybody else, but that sounds like everybody else. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to be mm. such a rebel that I break all the rules and defy what the industry is clearly telling me is working, but mm. I'm not going to be a carbon copy of it either. I'm going to maintain me and dip my toe in that pool, you know, and say, but here's that little familiarity that you all wanted in order to make this work, you know? I think a good example of this is John Mayer. He is such an avid, like, guitar-minded, you know, guitar player. He's like Jimi Hendrix, you know, like, that's his vibe. Is like, he wants to do this bluesy, soulful, classic thing. And um, the, the label was like, yeah, no, we're not going to push that. There's not enough, a big enough market for that. And I, I don't remember where I read this, but I read somewhere that he kind of fought against, like, your body is a wonderland because he didn't feel that's who he was. But if you think about that song, how digestible it is and how many people it can reach on a larger scale than if he had just honed in on, I'm a rock blues God, you know, that only hits like a, a niche that was about that big. And as a label, as a business, they went, okay, we can't invest in that. We don't see maybe the same success as this. And then look at after he put that song out, doesn't John Mayer do whatever the hell he wants now? I mean, he's done everything like really he's doing he's doing the blues trio his 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 pop music has even progressed but it, he wouldn't be able to have that freedom if he didn't play a little bit of ball and put his toe in the box right mm, that's awesome you know what just came into my head like as an analogy when when you're talking about that is it's almost like there's like a pool <laughs> this is weird like i i i love analogies so i sometimes i go overboard but there's like this like pool of of water and it's kind of like you're building your own channel right and that's like your uniqueness and that's like the, your foot out but then like you have to kind of use a chisel and kind of like chip at the original one and create a connection like create a link to it so it's kind of like you hit it and then it's like whoosh, like the water the water swims out and that's you know that's a way that you have one foot in one foot out so it's both familiar it's connected it's 
still relevant, but it's also authentic to who you are and it's your own thing. Love it. Yeah, that's great. Beautiful. All right. Well, this is great. I think <laughs> this is a good topic. We really, we went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I feel like it was, it was time well spent. Um, cool. So kind of zooming back out again a little bit in terms of the process of, of, you know, production. Um, first step is kind of pre-production. So getting an outline, getting the map kind of ready for it. Second step might be um, looking at, you know, a few different references and getting some, some things pulled up. Um, what else in terms of like an overview would you recommend for people in terms of the main, the main steps? Yeah, so so it would go pre-production, references, and then we'd probably dive into sound selection a little bit, which I would say is kind of a part of that pre-production, you know, just loading up, you know, the instruments that, that we're going to play with. Um, one of the things that I provide is actually, it's a produce like a boss roadmap, right? So it's got like, you know, it's all, it's already mapped out for you or uh, ready for you to fill it out. So it's, you know, says, it says uh, arrangement, how many bars is that, you know, what's happening in the verse, what's happening in the pre, what's happening in the course, and just simply by writing this out, which you can do on the notepad in Logic, by the way, and it's super helpful because it's like right there in your session. But I also provide a PDF so that they can just get really clear about it. Um, and I actually did a video on this recently about how to go through and just like remove and like add things. And it was so cool to see like where it went while not, because you're not glued to it. It's just a roadmap. It's just a roadmap and you can replace and make your decisions like as you go. You know what I mean? Mm. That's awesome. So this is great too. This is something that I think I overlook sometimes when I'm like, you know, producing uh, my own demos is that step where you load up the DAW, like logic and, and you start loading up the instruments. Yeah. I, I think for, for me, a lot of times I'll start and I'll just kind of like load one up at a time and it's kind of like disorganized and then I have to kind of search for the sounds and it's like, you know, it's maybe it, it doesn't really set the stage for the creativity to come out as easily as it could if I did what, what you're talking about right now, which sounds like, you know, creating that foundation, creating that map of what you think you're going to use, kind of getting all the sounds ready to go. And then you can play around with it more. And yeah, if you know, if you have to go on a quick detour or, you know, you want to, you, you have some inspiration, then that's cool. The same way as like, if you're on a trip and you're using a map, then it's like, you know, you can go off track a little bit and you know, explore and have fun, but it really helps to kind of have that, that foundation in place and to not have to dig through all your different stuff after you have the idea and just kind of have everything ready for it. Right. Do you remember when you first started working in the DAW ever like before you had gotten your organizational skills and workflow down, like trying to be in the middle of a session and just looking back and everything looks like hieroglyphics and you're like, where am I right now? Did you ever have that happen to you in the beginning? That would happen oh, to yeah. me. I would just, I'd get overwhelmed and I didn't understand, you know, like what the difference between audio and MIDI and like how a waveform really worked. I just hadn't got there yet. So it's like all that needed to happen for, for me to get uh, lost sometimes was simply looking away and coming back at me and like, wait, where was I? And so a lot of my process is eliminating all of that. So I'm a big fan of making the right and left brain work together, like it, as partners rather than battling each other. And I think that, you know, the muse is is, is fun and playful. And, and I think if you give her kind of a, some parameters to play within, it's going to be a, a lot better than if you're just like, have at it because she'll get, she'll get messy. She'll get way out of the lines. And it's like, okay, let me actually give you lines. And then you do your beautiful job coloring them in as opposed mm. to giving the muse a blank page because she doesn't always have, that's not the, the left brain. That's not the brain that has studied the references and that has the math down and the, maybe the formula. So by setting that up, you're kind of saying, all right, have at it muse, you crazy wild thing you, but these are my rules and this is what I say I want to accomplish. And if you can make them work together, oh my gosh, it's, it's beautiful. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's like just talking about balancing the left and right brain. 
you know, because I think mm. so many of us are either one or the other. And so many musicians tend to be more right brained and more creative and, you know, not wanting to, to, to be structured and have systems and be organized. But those are the types of things that are going to take their careers to the next level, especially if they're independent. You know, this applies to music production, but it applies to everything. Oh, what's up, guys? So quick intermission from the podcast. So I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. So really, you know, the setting this up is sort of, it's creating like a canvas, you know, before, if you're going to paint something, you know, if you like have some like paint brushes and like colors in front of you, but you don't really have anything to paint it on, or you don't really have any constraints at all, they can get really messy and it can be disorganized and you don't really have a purpose or like it's, it's just hard to let the muse do its thing. But if you kind of have that foundation in place and you have kind of the, the outline structured out, then that allows you to actually, in some ways counterintuitively be more creative because yeah. you can just let yourself out on the page and just kind of let, let it come out. And you know that it's good because it's within that structure that it's, it's going to be good. I love that you said that. The way you worded that is so awesome. It actually, it sounds counterintuitive, but it allows you to be more creative because as if you're having to deal with, gosh, I don't know where I am. Oh, that sucks. I don't know where I'm going. That's all getting in the way of your creativity. So you're not setting up these parameters to like be like a jail man, you know, like you must create. You're actually doing it to facilitate a wonderful creative place for that, for the muse to play in. So I love that you just said that. Uh, it actually helps more. Awesome. All right. So, you know, pre-production, finding the references, getting models, and then kind of getting everything set up, getting it in place, setting the stage so that you have the instruments, you can allow the creativity to come out. Where do they go from there? What I like to do in the free training is I like to set all this up at first. And I know that there's some people going, but when are we going to make the music? When are we going to make the music? Right. And I love that because my favorite part is when I come in at like towards the end of the series and I'm like, all right, let's do this. You know, and I jump in there and it's like, I get complimented all the time on my speed you know, and they speed, like how quickly I can put a track together. You know, I can be in a track with a room and build a track on the spot while somebody is writing like just as fast. And, you know, and it comes from systems and workflow just like this. Otherwise I, I, 
I don't think that I would have this kind of speed. So what I do is I actually go live and I say, okay, let's implement, let's, let's take all these tools. Let's say, I even have them like, you know, fan out the arrangement and I'm like, okay. And, you know, I start showing like, you know, the power of like, you know, even being able to fly or copy paste um, little sections across, not because it's going to stay that way, but like just having a visual, like, ah, oh, okay. It, it actually allows you to think like, now I just fill in the blanks. It gives you more sense of accomplishment to put all these things in place and then you can always go by, oh, you know what? I think I want to make that a bar longer. Oh, and I know that was the drum loop from verse one, but I'm going to add a different kick pattern here. But, you know, as long as you're looking at verse one and you're stuck there, it like kind of puts that wall up. So what I'm doing is I'm creating constant momentum and movement and achievements that can be succeed, uh, that can be celebrated along the way. Cause you're like, wow, I just did that. I just did that. And like, that just starts the flow. It's like, it's amazing. Mm, so, yeah. That's awesome. So that, that's really interesting. So it sounds like, you know, one of your first steps when you're creating a new track is really like is creating the arrangement and getting, you know, it's not the final versions of each of the instruments in there, but just kind of setting up the arrangement. So like, you know, in the appropriate, like in the chorus or in the second chorus, like there's the stacks start to line up. And even though like you're, you're probably going to go in there, you know, change some of the stuff and how the drums come across, it really kind of is like a holistic approach to getting the whole thing in there. And so and it, it kind of reminds me too of like, of like outline, outlining any sort of body of work, you know, it's so important to create an yeah. outline because, you know, that's, it's, it's kind of like what we talked about with like the, the constraints and like having the frame is how it's really allows you to, to let loose within that. So it sounds like you're kind of fleshing out and you're creating, um, creating the whole body of the song, like on a holistic level. And then your next step is to kind of go in and to tweak things and, and to try out like different parts and, and stuff within the song. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah, it's just like any body of work, you know, an author would start with, um, with an outline. And you know, an architect would start out with a blueprint, you know, it's the same thing, you know, when I when I don't just, and here's the thing, let me just speak to that really quick is, I'm not saying don't ever go in there and just have a free for all. I'm saying to have intention. So if you're sitting down to produce a song and that is your intention, you can make it a lot easier on yourself than wasting hours and hours and then at the end having nothing to show for it because you didn't separate your left and right brain. So things that I like to do on, I, sometimes I'll go, you know what, I'm going to put the left brain away, but that's because we're not creating a record today. We're not creating something for the market or for commercial release or anything. It's just for me. I'm just going to show up with my right brain today. And that's days where I will set aside time to literally just like pick out sounds that I like and, you know, maybe create some samples of my own, uh, maybe go through and build some kits of my own. But notice I'm assembling tool belt. I'm assembling tool belt. I'm not using them yet. Right. So I go through and I, and I do all this like fun, um, or I'm sorry reverse that, the left brain stuff. I'm going and I'm actually creating the systems. I'm creating the kits so that when my right brain comes and I come back to it later, I totally messed up the delivery of that. It's totally fine. But when I come back later, I had actually had those days where I was just using my left brain to actually put these systems in place, right? Cool. I really like how you differentiate, you know, the left brain from the right brain, because that is something that I think all of us, we have, well, most of us, 99.99% of us have a left brain and a right brain. And it sounds like one thing that you do really well is you're really intentional about which brain you're allowing to be present and come out, you know, because the, where people can get into trouble or it can be tricky sometimes is when both brains are trying to do something at the same time. 
and it's like they don't tend to play nice together and they can kind of go against each other it's like when you're writing a song and then if you're trying to edit the song and revise it at the exact same time as like you're creating it then it's like you can start to be like wait is that line really good and you get hung up on the same line like over and over again and then you can't really create the rest of it and it's just weird yeah. so it sounds like a big part of your process is is being intentional about having the left brain having time to set up those structures and those organizations and it sounds like a big you know value that that you bring is you know, having all those templates having the the structure kind of created for people and giving them the templates so that they can more easily allow themselves to tap into the right brain and just let it out Absolutely. And I, I want to circle back to what you just said there about like, you know, like wasting time spinning your wheels on trying to get the perfect take when you should be in creation mode. So it's all about intention. It's all about showing up and going, what am I trying to accomplish today? Because if you're trying to accomplish a record, then yeah, you better take that over and over and over until you get it right. But let's, at that point, I'm assuming all the creative work is done. It's written, it's arranged, it's produced, you're tracking final tracks. But when you're creating a song, I kind of feel like you should just go with it. Like, let's say you have like a guitar lick and, you know, in your head and, you know, where, 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 cool. And you lay it down. And it's not perfect. Well, did it execute? You know, did you, will you remember it when you come back to it later? Okay, then leave it, move on. Because if the flood is coming, it is not going to keep coming if you take that over 20 times in a row. Same thing with vocals. You know, my first pass at anything in creation stages is always a scratch vocal and it doesn't have to be perfect because I just have to know, it's like the work tape, that when I come back to it, I'm going to know what my intention was. But like when you're moving forward quickly, like I think it's better to move as fast as the flood is coming. And that's what's so mm. powerful, powerful about learning how to produce your own music. Like one of my, my students actually posted in, in my Facebook group the other day. She's like, oh my gosh, the coolest thing happened. And mind you, she only learned how to produce like maybe a few months ago. She goes, I was driving home and I got the flood, the flood you were talking about. I came through, I heard all the parts. And she goes, and then the best part is I came home and I tracked them all. And I was like, whoa, like imagine that. Like how many times I've had songs in my head where I'm like, I hear it in my head, but I don't know how to get that sound out. Like that's what's so empowering about learning how to do this for yourself. Whether you release it yourself or you get that idea that you're like, this is how it was in my head. All right, let me pair up with like, you know, a super pro producer and see if I can get it to the next level, you know? Mm, I love that. that. That's so awesome. So, okay. So now we've kind of gone through the stage where it's like they've fleshed out um, an outline and they've really gotten it holistic and they've, they've, you know, taking it from it's not perfect right it's not it's not totally refined yet it's kind of just like creative getting it getting it all out letting the flood out and now they're looking at maybe a daw that has a lot of the tracks flushed out so they have you know it's not all it's not all you know perfect it's not and it, that's not the intention right like it's just they, they got the whole the whole track out um what's like the next step from there well, at that point in the process in general, um, and I don't go into this in my free training, but I think the next steps after that are going back and going, okay, how can we make this tighter? How can we make this better? What do we need to replace? Playing um, quality control and then getting into your mix for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's definitely all the stuff that we've discussed so far, which is honestly for me, that's the heavy lifting. Um, I actually mm -hmm. go through that in my, in my free training. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. So, so it sounds like, you know, the creativity, that's where most people have the biggest block is just knowing how to get it out and how to take what they're hearing and actually make it sound really good and get it, get it recorded in an easy, simple, facilitated way. So it's not like they're you know, overwhelmed or running into all, all these different blocks. And then from there, you know, it's, then the left brain can kind of come in and it can kind of revise and be like, okay, so, you know, let's change the sounds here. Let's do some mixing and, and let's, you know, make this more shiny and maybe add some different elements here. And then you probably have some sort of like mastering or something that, you know, is kind of like that final 
final little touch to make it the same levels and just to make it sound really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. I feel like <laughs> literally just in the course of like 45 minutes, I had like a crash course on how <laughs> to produce a song. That's awesome. And I know, um, I know that you go into uh, a lot more detail and kind of, and, you know, with something like this too, like, you know, we're having a conversation right now between us and, you know, I mean, for me, like this has been like super valuable. I, I love, um, I love everything that you've been saying. That's going to give me some really good ideas for, for my own production and how I can make it more simple and kind of creating, creating those systems in advance so that I can be more creative. Um, but I do know that, you know, there's, there's only so much we can, we can uh, share just by like talking to each other and it's showing each other's faces as opposed to like you going in and showing them the DAW and logic and like, and, and having the templates and stuff set up for them. So uh, I know that you prepared, like you have like this free training that kind of goes into more details and has some of the, some of those goodies for them. So uh, could you tell me more about, about that training? Yeah, so I've, I've put together a three-part uh, free series where I go through a lot of the stuff that we talked about, and I give away some goodies that I've made. Um, I give away this uh, this PDF called uh, the Quick Guide to Producers Lingo, so it really helps to demystify some of the stuff that, like, I know I know it. I was that singer in the studio going, he just said this. What did that mean? What did, what do you mean fly? What do you mean comp? You know, <laughs> what's an overdub? I got you. It's all handled in this PDF, and I got a couple more gifts that I've put together. And uh, yeah, it's going to be so much fun. I, I, I show you how to plan it out, and then I show you how to execute. In the end, we actually build the track, and it's, it's super fun. Beautiful. So, uh, so where's the best way for, uh, for people to, to get that, that uh, gift? So um, my company is producelikeaboss.com, and I know we're going to drop a link in the description below how to get into the free series. So, uh, Chris, you're awesome, man. I, you know, this is like the, we've, we've only just met each other, but I feel like the conversation we have that I've been, you know, you have a great, uh, great flow, great energy. Um, and I listen to some of your songs on your website too, and it's like, it's really good. Like it's, you oh, know, the, the, the proof is in the pudding, I think. So thank you so much for, you know, for taking the time to be here and to share some of these tips. And um, I would highly recommend uh, going and checking out that, that uh, workshop so that you can learn how to produce you know, higher quality demos. Thank you for having me. That was such a blast. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.